Hey everyone, this is Father Conrad, and uh, this is that time of the year when uh, all the different Catholic and charitable organizations that you uh, participate with ask for donations. And so Catholic Bites is is about the same. Um, as you know, all of our resources, all our podcasts, it's all for free, and we rely completely on the generosity of our donors to help make that happen. So this year we're trying to raise about $6,000, and, and the awesome thing is we already have donors who are willing to match gifts up to $3,000. So that means when you donate this year, your donation goes twice as far as normal in helping us to create resources for your spiritual life, great podcasts, great YouTube videos, and all sorts of awesome things. So I'm asking you if you'll prayerfully consider making a donation of maybe just $1 a day each day in Advent. So that's roughly about 25 bucks, but it actually raises $50 for our ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity, for all of you who have already given, and thank you for all your support and care. God bless you. Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad, and I have with me, through the miracle of technology, Abbot Austin Murphy, the Abbot of St. Procopius Abbey in uh, Lyle, Illinois. Abbot Austin, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Father Conrad. Now, for, for listeners' sake, Abbot Austin and I are not related, even though we share the same last <laughs> name. Right. But Abbott Austin was my chaplain when he was a newly ordained priest when I was in high school. So right. uh, it's really cool to, to have you on the podcast. And... Although you've been beaten in this title now, you were at one point the youngest Benedictine abbot in the in the world. So that's 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 something to you should have a plaque or something like that. Uh, youth is overrated, as they say. So. <laughs> um, so, Abbot Austin, you're um, you're a Benedictine monk. Benedictine monks have a particular kind of um, uh, orarium that that Saint Benedict set down a, a way of living life, a structured way of living life, and some people might not think that that's applicable to their lives, their own spiritual lives, but you, you say otherwise. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think in our culture, there's a, um, a certain uh, wariness or suspicion even of structures, and especially in um, religious matters, right? So if you look at uh, the spiritual uh, but not religious kind of uh, growth mm-hmm. of um, especially, actually it's found in both uh, those that are the so-called nuns who are not affiliated um, often they have spiritual values, whether it's a more new agey or free form sort of thing. Uh, but also among Christians, you have uh, those who reject structures, right? So an example I think of is that um, that YouTube video that was, uh, kind of made a splash some years ago about uh, why I love Jesus but hate the church, mm. right? And so it's kind of this anti-structure thing. And, and um, so I, I think there's a Suspicion of structures, but I know in my own kind of autobiographical situation or reflecting back, even before the monastery, uh, when I started to take my faith seriously, um, this idea of certain structures in the, uh, in your spiritual life, I found to be helpful. There, there are certain pitfalls in that we have to be careful of, but uh, it's it's very important and it's very much part of our tradition. So, um, so that's become a, an interest too. And then being called to monastic life uh, only kind of made my interest in understanding better structures and how they serve the spiritual life uh, only increased that. So if we're talking about structures, what, what in particular uh, would you say is an example of, of, of structures that can be built into our, our own spiritual lives that are helpful? Yeah. And here this, I've struggled with this a bit. Like, how do you even define structure? It's, a, it's mm-hmm. one of those words that gets used in 10,000 different ways. <laughs> so uh, what do I mean? I, I, I have this definition and maybe I needed to tweak it, but and I'll give a concrete example um, too, but uh, it's basically a directive you follow, and it's a directive you follow uh, that has a certain external manifestation or external side to it, so that you mm-hmm. can tell whether or not you followed it. 
Right, so uh, if you look at what the Lord says about righteous deeds in uh, Matthew 6, right, so uh, we hear this at the beginning of Lent, right? So if, uh, when, right, he doesn't say, like, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, he says the righteous deed and it says when you do this, right, when you fast, when you give alms, when you pray, right? So it's not a question of whether or not you're going to do it. It's a, it's, you're going to do it, but don't do it in the wrong way. So mm-hmm. I think those three things of, um, Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are great examples of structures in the spiritual life. There's other structures. Uh, I often give the example, I talk to people about this kind of stuff, of, of a speed limit as a structure. It's a directive, and you can tell whether or not you followed it, right? You can tell whether, you know, most of us or uh, myself don't follow it. We go, we go <laughs> over it. But, um, you know, it's saying what to do, and then you, it has a certain ability kind of even externally to see whether or not you've done it. So... Back to like fasting, you know, uh, let's say like you fast on Fridays and you follow a certain rule about that, you know, uh, you know, one big meal and two smaller meals that don't add up to it. Right. So um, or whatever it is, abstaining from meat, uh, it's a directive. Right. And then you can tell whether or not you did it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then uh, almsgiving, you know, you might set yourself a rule about, um, you know, I'm going to give uh, once a month this amount to some charity. Um, and then, uh, you know, prayer too, you know, prayer can mean, you know, the actual act of praying, but also can mean like, uh, we talk about prayer, we set aside like certain, uh, observances about what we're going to do for prayer, whether it's, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to say the rosary, uh, whatever it is. So there's something you can say it, uh, you know, when, after you do it, did I do it? Did I spend 20 minutes? And you might say, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the best 20 minutes in the world. I was distracted, whatever, but you have this ability to say, um, whether or not you followed it. Yeah. So, so what would you say to someone who says, well, I want, I want, that seems to inhibit my freedom and I want to uh, allow the freedom of the spirit or the freedom of my spiritual life to kind of, uh, be my driving factor. And that this seems to be kind of too old fashioned or outmoded or, or, or regimental for, for a truly spiritual life. Yeah. Good. I mean, you're smart, Father Cameron. That's right. You're cutting right to some of the heart of the issues, like freedom and how we understand that. And I, I think that's what contributes to some of the wariness or uh, suspicion of structures, right? So that's a great question. Um, first of all, I, I would point out as part of the answer, uh, we're never going to get away from structures. And if anything, we have a, a world in which in some respects, not in religion so much, but in other respects, there's more and more structures, more and more mm-hmm. laws that we're expected to follow, regulations, uh, whatever. And it's not to say whether they're good or bad, but we have we set up these directives, so to speak, to follow, whether privately for myself or, or the ones we set up for society, like speeding lim- uh, speed limits and other laws and so forth. So we never get around them. It's just part of human life, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say, but the question is, in religious life or in spiritual life, um, yeah, it gets that, that. I mean, again, you hit on it. It's. Uh, I think the more I've thought about this issue, it, it gets at our notion of freedom, and what does that mean? And so, uh, this kind of you know, f- those familiar with, like freedom and difference, freedom for excellence, sort of uh, distinctions. But along that uh, those lines, it's uh, you know, what makes you free is your ability to do something good, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's virtue is another way of talking about this, right? So people use examples of sports. You know, if you keep uh, keep at you know, something and you become able to, you know, shoot a three-pointer in basketball, you're free now to do that. But without developing that ability, then you're not free. Mm-hmm. You know, you can want it, but you're not going to be able to do it. So um, so th- it's about that kind of freedom. It's about uh, forming abilities, right? So here, uh, 
as I, I you know, I've talked to people about and try to explain the value of structure, you do have to have a notion of virtue, because structures are for the sake of virtue, and uh, and and it's possible that we lose track of that. We get caught up in the structures themselves, and we lose track of that. They're really for the sake of virtue, and this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, I won't bore you with uh, details, but this is found in a monastic tradition and in the patristic tradition too. Uh, early on, this is, this idea of you know some of the things, these external things we do, these kind of structures we follow, observances, they have to be in the service of virtue. And my quick definition of a virtue is, uh, it's a moral ability, and it's particularly ability to do something fulfilling. Uh, you know, there's some added things you, you'd say about that. Um, it's a ready ability, so you have this kind of facility to do it, and you have it, uh, you know, an abiding way, a steady way. So. Mm-hmm. My kind of rhyming definition is a steadily ready ability to do some a fulfilling act, right? <laughs> uh, but a short version is it's a moral ability, right? So it's like a skill, but it has to do with morals and your fulfillment. So yeah, and, and I, yeah, go ahead. I, I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, that 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 in that case, in, in the case of a virtue or in the case of uh, an ability, that a structure that a structure enables you to be more free mm-hmm. in that exercise. You know that if I put or build in certain times of prayer every day in my life, in my spiritual life, then I'm going to be more free to have a relationship with God than if I just kind of prayed whenever I felt like it, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm building in that time with him and I'm learning how to spend time with him and it's, it's helping me to grow in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it just becomes a part of your life. Like I imagine, you know, in, in, in the monastery, you, you guys chant the, and pray the, the divine office mm-hmm. and it becomes just a part of who you are. You know, you, you're able to just, pray the office every day it's it's not something that's an imposition it's something that i don't know that that helps helps you or, or defines you in a certain sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely it's uh yeah it's it, it's 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 well put it, it's, it's there's some subtle things about it that are very interesting and hard to explain but yeah it, you know as far as like defining who we are and there are structures that um that that serve as social markers in a way and also mm-hmm. identity markers so Again, just think about fasting. Um, it's interesting how food can do this, because uh, if you think of uh, the Jewish people and uh, you know the, the the law about abstinence from pork, uh, it's not just about not eating pork. It's about an identity, right? And this mm-hmm. is what you look at the Maccabean martyrs and why they're willing to go to their death and uh, refusal to eat pork. It's not just about pork, right? It's it's about it's something. It's about their identity and their adherence to to God through this law. So. Um, but likewise, the Catholics, you know, we have, um, you know, the f- Friday fa- uh, absence. We don't have, you know, Latin Catholics don't have very rigorous rules about fasting anymore, but we do have some. And uh, so the fasting on uh, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, the absence from meat on, um, uh, you know, Fridays of, of, of Lent, um, right? These are these become markers in a way, right? If you if you have, let's say, a lunch meeting and you're on Friday during Lent and you don't eat meat, it's a kind of marker. It's a part of your identity. It's a reminder of who you are. Right. And then and then the other part, too, though, is going back to and that can be in the service of virtue, too, I should say that this, mm-hmm. you know, who you are and what you're about. But um, but also, you know, just uh, um, being formed in virtue by these practices. Um, yeah, that forms you and who you are in a, in a very in profound way um, as well. So there's a lot to be said about it, I think it's very fascinating. On a practical level, then, what kind of structures would you recommend for someone who maybe has just kind of been following the whims of, of their heart and but wants to enter more deeply into into a spiritual uh, the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. 
I think the three uh, quote unquote righteous deeds that the Lord mentions in, in Matthew mm-hmm. six prayer fast prayer fasting alms right we focus in, on them on Lent as uh, these traditional practices but they're really part of it I mean you need to have prayer you need to set aside some structures for that and, and this is uh, with regard to you know again just to get out of the religious realm uh, we do this right if we want to like um, train to run a marathon. You got to set up a regimen of training mm-hmm. for that. You're never going to get that ability if you don't set it up. And um, and we know from experience with prayer, we get so busy and whatever reason. So you know, set aside a time, set aside some kind of rules that's going to help you to actually sit down and pray, and um, and then do it right. Just keep doing it. Um, likewise, with uh, you know, giving. Give, you know, sometimes we can say you have all the best intentions in the world. We're going to give to the needy. We're going to help the needy, whether it's volunteering, giving money, whatever. Uh, do these works of charity, set up some structure. We have the best intentions in the world, but you know, set up some structures, some observances, some rules, whatever you want to call it, that will help you to do that. And then likewise, uh, fasting, I think, is a, you know, is another level to it because I think we're just like, what's the point of fasting, whatever? It's a, it's a ne- mm-hmm. negative act. Uh, it's just giving up something. And the whole area of renunciation is a whole topic itself. But um, but we, we do need that as well. We need to be disciplined. Uh, we need to uh, cultivate a healthy detachment uh, from certain things and superficial um, or you know, less meaningful uh, comforts in life. So um, I would advocate that too. It's just a, there it's a, kind of an argument uh, from tradition in a sense that a lot of holy people have found this very, very uh, invaluable. So we should try it. Awesome. Well, that's uh, pretty helpful. So thank you so much, uh, Abbot Austin, for joining us on Catholic Bites. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who um, who's listening. Or uh, if you'd like to find more great Catholic Talks. You can find us at CatholicBitesPodcast.com, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And we also have a great uh, YouTube channel that's associated with us at CatholicLink.org. Uh, so you can find all that great stuff, all the great resources to help you live your faith more deeply. So thank you again, Abbot Austin. And thank you, uh, thank you all, and God bless you. God bless.